So it kind of comes full circle, really, because you're the first person that did my original podcast. Was I really the first? You were the first. Oh. You were the the person with the least to do <laughs> when I did this the first time. Around. And this time you're the, you're the person with the second least to and do. And you're still so charming. <laughs> I am a wonderful human being. So you've been really busy over the last, Christ, how long have we known each other, first of all? Do you think four years now? It's four or five. It's got, I yeah. think it's got to be five. I think five. Yeah, because I think I started modelling with you before I went full time. So when I was still, you know, working in the normal industry. Yeah. <laughs> with the weirdos. So yeah, I think five years. You're right. Okay. So five years. And we've actually not seen much of each other for about a year. That's like, true. Yeah. Um, I've been doing other stuff. You've been famous. We both needed a break. <laughs> Absolutely, I did. Um, I think we both need a tap on the back for staying friends this long. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think actually if we check the record books, you might hold the current record <laughs> other than Jamila. Um, so you've done a lot of stuff. So the last time we spoke, you were just on the back of winning Miss Swimsuit. God, that's... Miss UK Swimsuit? Miss, Miss Swimsuit UK. Miss Swimsuit. It's always You like, can say it any way you like. Well, like you can't, because of it it's, if you there's want. always like another one. I remember calling someone Miss GB and she was Miss Britain or Miss whatever and yeah, I got it wrong. Yeah, you don't want to do that. It's very offensive in the pageant world. Exactly. I don't want to get on the wrong side of those pageant girls. They have sashes. Um, <laughs> Which they will slash you with. <laughs> so what year did you win Miss Swimsuit? So that was 2017, so... Okay, so a couple of years now. Yeah. And you've... You've just been doing some presenting for it this year? Yeah, so their current presenter moved to Australia, so I got the job, which was Ah. very convenient for me. And how are you finding that? Because that's your thing, right? You want to be in presenting. Yeah, so it was going to be the natural progression anyway. So I was lucky that Sam, who used to do it, moved away because otherwise that wouldn't have been such an easy in. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of pressure. It's very scary and I'm still nervous before, but I absolutely love it. It's exactly what I, what I want to be doing. So yeah, it's great. And when you, when you look back at what, what happened as a result of, of winning that pageant and doing that pageant and what you learned from doing it, um, do you, do you like the trajectory it's kind of put you in? Do you yeah, think it's done absolutely. a lot for you? I mean, I think oh, this will sound probably a bit big headed, but as an example, Coral, who won it the year after me, who is absolutely beautiful, very intelligent, she's concentrated on her accounting. So she hasn't used it like I did. And I think if you looked at both our careers, you'd see that it doesn't matter how much potential you've got. It's what you, it's how much you act on it. So I used the title to do a lot of stuff. So I'd say it was like a joint partnership. So it's, title a, it's, it's a bit of a, um, like a, a, a it's like a diving board almost. Exactly. You get as much out of it as the energy you put into it kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And and sort of, is it something you can't go back and do again or something you wouldn't want to go back and do again, like more pageants? Well, I wouldn't go back into pageants. It's a lot of effort. So I think, yeah, I don't think you actually get that much from winning something if you've already won something, if that makes sense. So there would mm. be no, there'd be no point in me doing any more. Just kind of retreading old ground. Yeah. And you wouldn't enter again because it's a business at the end of the day. So you'd never win twice because mm-hmm. if someone won twice, people were going to enter less and then they'll make less money. So yeah. It just and what, be what do you think of like the competition, say this year? Is it, is it how you remember it being when you went through it or is it, has it got bigger? 
It's got bigger. There's a lot more celebrity involvement, but also there's been a massive cultural movement in terms of being more inclusive to all body shape sizes, you know, including everyone and being less discriminative. That's not a word, is it? No, it's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. So I don't know. We have a lot more sort of a different group of people. So there's a lot of people who are in the army or in a pharmaceutical company and they just want to do it for their confidence and they don't have any interest in actually modelling full time. So it's made it more interesting, but maybe slightly less competitive competitive and more of a sisterhood of people, right. which is kind of nice. Makes it more friendly. Yeah. Right. I mean, competitions, I think, com especially these days, competitions are really underrated. I think competition pushes you a lot harder. Everyone yeah. being friendly with everyone is obviously very wonderful, but if everyone's happy with where they are, no one's pushing to move forward. I think it's made it a completely different thing. And the sort of the side of me that loves people like Jordan Peterson, I think competition is extremely important. Exactly. And that, I don't know, we should all be striving to do our best and that you should be under pressure and out of your comfort zone a lot of the time. So maybe the competition isn't something that's so much a platform for modelling now and it's more of a sort of support network. But Okay. And you, so if you were to... If you were to look at the competition this year and look at it when, when you were doing it, uh, in terms of numbers, is there a lot more people coming forward as a result of it being more open-minded? Yeah. So, so many more people, because I think people before, if they were more curvy or had a lot of tattoos or weren't your sort of, I don't know, typical Victoria's Secret looking kind of person, mm -hmm. they just wouldn't enter. Whereas now we get such a variety of people. So yeah, yeah it's definitely grown. And then since, since all of this, you've also done like... I think some TV and radio and other yeah. stuff. You did. Uh, I don't watch TV, so I'm going to really butcher this. But I'm, celebrities go dating. That's correct. Yeah. Okay, so what what is that? Explain that. Explain that to the people because I have no idea what that is. So Z-list celebrities put themselves forward to wow. date. Well, I'm just going to be honest. Go for it. Uh, to date, people like me who are even lower than Z-list celebrity status. Nice. <laughs> so I ended up with Pete Wicks from The Only Way is Essex. I choose my words very carefully, ended up with being a key sentence. Wow. <laughs> no, he was fine. He was okay. It was um, an interesting experience, but it was very good to work closely alongside TV researchers and producers because they're people you wouldn't normally meet. And if you want to get into TV presenting, it's great to have those contacts. Mm. So from that point of view, it was very good. And also from just a, I don't know, outreach and getting my name out there even more. I've now got the blue tick. So you know, ah. bow when I walk in a room, please. Yeah, no, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't changed my life that much. But, you know, all those little things, they add up and they do help with the hype and, you know, to get your career, keep to keep your career going. Well, I remember doing a few years ago, we were on, me and Jamila were on uh, 24 Hours in A&E. Really? Yeah, and they, they, <laughs> there was like two meetings we had to do for it. One was obviously the recording where they interviewed us. And the other one was, actually, no, I think it was the same time. Um one of us was being recorded and the other one would sit with the the producers and the researchers and stuff. And it was really interesting because you got to hear like the, the way they talk about audiences mm -hmm. and how broad they can be with some ideas and people will just eat it. Yeah. They'll just, they'll just take it in. Gotcha. Um, all right. So how manufactured is it though? Like, because obviously you're not really going dating, surely. Well, no. So it's completely organic. I turned up in Shoreditch for the first day. I had no idea who it's going to be. And I'm not a big TV watcher either. So when they first said his name about five minutes before I was going on to the date, I had no idea. But then they showed me a photo <laughs> and I sort of vaguely remember my friend saying she fancied him back in the day. So I was like, okay, I can get on board with that. I was single at the time, obviously. And um, yeah, so I turn up, there's all these cameras around you. You're nervous as hell walking in and he sat 
there and suddenly he's like, all right, babe, I've got you an espresso. Hope that's all right. Ha ha ha. Is that how he actually talks? Is that I mean, close? it's very similar. Christ. If anything, I'm doing him a favour with that impression. Sounds like the elephant man. <laughs> so I put on an extra posh voice, which then... Which you did in our first podcast. Yeah, I'm a bit more normal now. This is the real world. I don't well, know. I a bit believe of a chameleon. that the reason that we are all together in this... That's how you talked in the first Well, one. I've now learned, don't do that. You'll get slated on Twitter. So I don't know. Karen125 was like, has anyone else noticed that Poppy was posh on date one and two, but on three, she sounds like she's from Essex. So yeah. Well, I, I suppose that, that goes back to that. There was that, that girl on X Factor and I have a weird connection to this. There was a girl that was on X Factor years ago. And there was a story where she'd basically like turned up in Berlin off her face on cocaine and on TV, she was really posh and so on, <laughs> but she actually wasn't in real life. And the whole thing was manufactured. And that's what everyone focused on. It wasn't the fact that she was just like this raving <laughs> druggy, like, but her accents changed. It's so funny what annoys people. Yeah. yeah, that's that even like leads me on to another thing, which we might cover hopefully in this, that I'm really interested in people I meet at the moment with this large Instagram following. The persona they're putting out there is nothing like what they're like in real life. But to go back to the celebs go dating thing, it is actually quite real. And after we finished filming the first three dates, he asked if I'd like to go for more drinks and we did and we got on really well. So you went out after filming so you went out without cameras which they don't like you to do in case they miss anything juicy they didn't right. fyi but right yeah it was it was quite just real. you taking the piss out of his accent yeah pretty much right but um yeah we were sort of texting behind tv screens and things like that but then on the holiday which is like the finale if they like you the most out of all their right. dates you get taken away his ex-girlfriend which is megan mckenna was on the holiday. I don't know who that is, but okay. Yeah, you tell me it's not going to change your life. It's a no, person. I who that is. Yeah. It's his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, it's okay. his ex-girlfriend. So, um, yeah, he ignored me for the entire week. But if you watch the show, it looks like we're in love. So, yeah, don't believe editing, TV. Right? <laughs> the power of editing. It's yeah. scary. Well, do you know, it's funny, actually, the, the 24 hours and A&E thing that we did. Um, so <clears throat> what happened was uh, Jamila's mum was ill at the time. She'd gone into hospital and that's what we, where we were filmed 24 hours early and then they interviewed us afterwards uh, because Jamila's mum passed away. And one of the things that uh, we were talking about in the hospital that was recorded was um, me. Uh, so I used to cook a lot. It used to be my job. Mm -hmm. And Jamila's mum, fantastic cook. So we used to cook together a lot. That's kind of how we bonded. And we had this huge argument one time about how the correct way to cut an onion. right? <laughs> and we were talking about that in hospital. So when they interviewed us, they, they asked me about what's this story about the onion. <laughs> so I told the story, but they cut the bit where me and her are talking about in the hospital. And it just looks like I'm some weirdo talking about an <laughs> onion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, firstly, did she pass away during the film? No, no, no. Oh, I was going to say it was, it was like a few months later. I see. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say how uncouth TV is, but not that anyone needs me to say that. So how is, what is the correct way to cut an onion? Well, it's it's one of these things where I feel like if you just know the balance of your knife well enough, you don't need to have some kind of fancy pre-cut. And she has this pretty... It doesn't matter. It's not a good podcast, so I talk about that. Um, okay, so you wanted to go down this tangent of people's personas on Instagram, then I'll let you, let you go for it and I'll see if I can keep up because I'm not cool and young anymore. I'm 31 now, so... 
Well, I'm 27, so I'm following. Well, we behind. look about the same age, so that's. No, we don't. Actually, someone on the train the other day said, "Oh, are you on a college trip?" And I was like, "Babe, I'm 27." Yeah, but so students are getting there. older. That's not necessarily about your age, puppy. <laughs> yeah, no one can get a job. That's it just, why. It just, maybe it just looked like you didn't masters. understand how the world worked. <laughs> I don't. I most certainly don't. <clears throat> no one does. But yeah, so I don't know. Meeting more people in the Instagram kind of world, going to a lot of sort of influence events and things like that. I'm meeting these people who I don't know. I'm a lovely um, Muslim model whose online presence, she's dressed, covered, very respectful to their religious beliefs. And then on the night out was out of her face on cocaine, alcohol, swearing, effing and blinding. And I just thought it was interesting because one thing I pride myself on is being completely my true self on what I show on social media. So I don't know, it might look like, yeah, you put the best things forward and I do a lot of travel and it looks exciting, but I really am myself and I'm like the geeky, dorky side. And I just think it's really untrue to be putting all these fake sides across because there's so many young people looking up to that. I just think it's really dangerous. Mm. So yeah, it's just something I've noticed more and more. I think, I mean, there's a few things that come with social media that's a bit interesting. I mean, when you receive any kind of criticism or any attacks or any verbal, one thing I don't like about, general society now is society i i absolutely abhor the the idea of of like haters i hate even saying the word you don't have a hater what what does that mean that, that's that's a dismissive pejorative term that's just there to say i'm beyond criticism and this person has no right to do so when quite often you can do something that someone else can have a problem with and they're perfectly within their right to have a problem with it and you're within your right to not give a shit i think it's a really interesting topic because I think the first dangerous thing is being online, it gives people a place to say something about you, which they are perfectly in their right to do so, like you say. But normally you'd probably never hear that about yourself because no. everyone says stuff about people. And sometimes they probably don't even think you're going to hear it or see it. So it's not even so much that they, it's almost like they're venting, not like they actually have a problem with you. But I think the issue is when you hear something negative, that holds so much more weight than when you get all the positive comments. So yeah. I think... Like you say, it's, it is good because sometimes criticism, sh- I don't know, it keeps you in line. Like you are going to make mistakes. And sometimes I think if there's a ratio and I don't know, 20 people say the same thing that's bad, maybe you do need to step back and think, hmm, there's a pattern here. Maybe I should change no, X, Y, I don't, Z. But I, I mean, there's a very odd movement generally. I mean, we're not going to go very socio-political, but- Oh, can we please? We could do, but I think we both <laughs> lose a lot of friends. Um, but I, I, there's, there's a big movement at the moment of- completely contradictory standards. Oh, yes. Where, so for example, probably get myself in quite a bit of trouble here, but for example, you take something like climate change and you Mm -hmm. take something like gender identity. Mm -hmm. Climate change, the argument is you should go with the consensus of science. Gender identity is about feelings. And those two points argued, generally speaking, by the same people, Mm -hmm. that you should follow one idea entirely based on science and you should follow another idea entirely based on feelings. What group of people is this, Chris? Young people. <laughs> no, it's it's just that there are there are people. I, I think unfortunately, what's happening more and more is is polarization politically. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and and not even politically, but 
people are becoming political in everything. Everything is being politicised. It's a big media thing at the moment, regardless. But people are becoming politicised in the way that it's like me versus everyone else. Mm -hmm. You either agree with absolutely all of what I say, or you are the pole opposite and you don't have a right to have a voice. Mm. And that is applying to the most ridiculous things. People are incapable now of having a conversation about whether or not they like Nando's without it becoming a thing mm. of your principles and your ethics and so on. You know, it'd be nice to get back to a state where someone can disagree with you and you can just move forward and not let it affect you so much. I had a, I did a, I, I do volunteering at Jamila's work quite a bit. And I had a conversation with a gentleman who said to me that, um, we're not going to go political, I promise, but there's a point to this. So he said, um, you know how it is when you've got uh, a friend that you've known for, I think he said 10 years, but let's say years, when you've got a friend that you've known for years and then they post on Facebook about being pro-Brexit so you can't talk to them anymore. And I just think, no. Yeah. I, people are allowed to have a difference of opinion with me. I think that's the key thing you've brought up that... I don't know, it is almost like we're kind of split in between these labels of left wing or right wing almost, if you make yeah. it really black and white. And what I, I'm not saying I'm right wing, but what I struggle with with people who are identifying as very left wing is that they don't like to have a discussion. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what your views or beliefs are, but I think to have a discussion where you can back it up with general facts is important. Yeah. And I think what people are doing is just echoing things that they're seeing in the media. Which well, generally are sort of left. If we take, regardless of sort of your direction politically, if we look back at all of history and we look at the people that were burning the books, they were never the people that were on the right side of history. So mm -hmm. to be the people now that are burning the books, claiming that they're on the right side of history is a slightly worrying state of affairs. <laughs> I, I was having lunch last week with a very, I'd say very left wing friend of mine. I, I would say I'm probably moving right purely because of the way that the left moves. I'd say that especially in terms, if you talk world politics, not just local politics, English, English politics are basically a waste of time because we've got no one with any charisma, no one with any actual astuteness about them trying to lead anything. So at this point, I'm just like, eh, we're just floating off into the ocean. I don't really care anymore. It's fine. We're not going to do any harm. We're not going to do any good. Who cares? <laughs> um, but when you look at world politics... <clears throat> People that are on the left are moving so far left. I was, maybe two or three years ago, I was very, I would consider myself very left, very, um, very much so. But I've stood still and I'm now on the right. Yeah. When you're in university, it's normally left traits that you're pushed into. Just right. I'd, because I did journalism, we did a lot of current affairs and that is what you're taught to be yeah. very, very strongly. And I would now say if you were going to label me, it would be centre-right. So I've made a strong shift. And I think that's well, just- Well, you haven't though. I don't think you have, because I've had conversations with you for, for half a decade and I don't think you, your ethics have changed. This, no. is, this is what I mean. I don't think my ethics have changed. I don't think my political opinions have changed. I just think what's considered right and left yeah. has shifted so yeah, much. Yeah, views haven't changed, it but the label It feels like someone's has. moved to my house without telling me while I'm in it. <laughs> you know, yeah, like exactly. I've just opened my door and all of a sudden I'm in a completely different part of the world. I think if you're open to discussion, then- you're considered right now because you're not allowed to even question the negatives of minorities without getting into trouble. Certain ones. Certain minorities. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, yeah, I guess that's important. There's, to a, there's a wonderful... If you're a woman, then... <laughs> well, you have to be the right kind of woman. <laughs> if, you, if you're a woman, but you like, you know, like they had the women's march But in if America, you're a man who's now a woman, you can do what you want. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things, you know, the, the women's march is one of those really bizarre... Uh, apartheid feeling 
pieces of politics where it's like this we've done this we've done segregation this isn't a good move and it was if it was if you are a woman but you don't agree with our general feelings about certain things you don't get to come on this so it's not about it's weird because it's identity politics but then there's even people within the identity that don't count because they don't fit the narrative i mean there's a norm mcdonald joke where he says about um, do you know what a cis male is? And the person says, well, what does that mean? And he goes, well, it's a way of um, my, uh, making a minority out of a majority, <laughs> which is basically where we are now. We've got to try and make a way to identify and separ- like separate yeah, everybody. Yeah, like we're obsessed with it. Yeah, and it's a shame because really when it, when it comes down to it, I believe, and I might be completely off base here, but from my experience, and I probably work around, I don't know, eight or 900 people minimum a year through through being a wedding photographer, I don't see a whole lot of racism. I don't see a ho- I see people mixing together perfectly fine. I don't hear a lot of sexist terms or anything like that. I think that if you, I think at the moment, a lot of people want negativity and they, they want to be a victim. I think vict- I've said this for a long time. I think victimhood's become a currency mm. and uh, it's cool and fun to be the, the, the downtrodden and, you know, and so on. And when you've got two major issues coming up, which is, like you said, universities generally are very left-leaning, mm-hmm. which they shouldn't be at all. They shouldn't. I think all mainstream media is now. That's the other all side of, the of BBC. it. So if you think about, if you're a young person and you're between the age of 12 and 25, let's say, all that you're encountering is left bias, generally mm. speaking. Now, everyone has a bias. I'm not saying bias as if the right doesn't have a bias or the centre doesn't have a bias or weirdos that have stupid names with their political parties have a bias. Everyone has a bias. They can't help it. It's inherent to being humans. But what's happening is is that between the age of sort of 12 and 25, it's in every magazine you read, it's in every TV show you watch, it's in every film you watch, it's when you go to school, it's in every class. And then if you move against it, you're brainwashed. Yeah. Yeah. And that, to me, I can't possibly think how that makes sense to anybody. That's a really nice way of putting it, actually. Really yeah. nice way. Because I almost see, it. it's all popular models as well. So a lot of people that, I don't know, Hollywood actors, actresses, all sort of echoing this general idea just because it's the popular one. Yeah. And yet, if we think a different way, we're the weirdos. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the wrong way around. The, 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 the issue comes when you predetermine someone's opinion based on what they look like. Mm-hmm. When you say, well, this person is black therefore they have to be left because the right are against black people (laughs) and it's like well okay there's there's a good amount of history to support that kind of argument but there's also a lot of recent history to support the idea that a lot of left policies especially somewhere like america and canada and parts of europe exist solely to keep black communities kind of in check you know, so you've got racism on the right, you've got racism on the left. There's racism regardless of your political affiliation. There's sexism regardless of your political aff- affiliation. To say that if you are a certain type, you have to think a certain way is itself racist and sexist. And that's the world we're in. And I think one thing that's quite sad lately is when you come back towards sort of the modelling direction that people are politicising so much of their work. Yeah. So you can't be... I have this huge issue with the idea of plus size model. I had I hate I don't have a problem with people being a plus size model. I don't like the term. You're either a model or you're not. You know, a bigger train isn't called a plus size train. It's just a train. You know, so you've got a small train and a big train. It's just trains. They're not they don't need to be separated. And I think 
it would be one thing, it would be terrible if it was the case that slimmer people were calling bigger models plus size models. Mm -hmm. That would be one thing. But when it's self-segregation, to me, that feels very bizarre. That feels counterintuitive to wanting to be seen as an equal. I feel like there's so many things I want to comment on and we go off on so many tangents, but I'm just going to go over the flow and comment on your last sort of point. Some, I don't know if I have a slight issue with the direction we're going because, and I'll try and say this without offending anyone, but when I was younger, when I'd look at Vogue and it was these glossy, perfect images of very, very slim people, which is almost unattainable for majority of the public. I looked up to that because it is something to challenge yourself to accomplish. Like Mm -hmm. it's not easy to be that size. It takes a lot of determination, self-control, gym work. And that's how I saw the fashion industry. So although I agree that we should have a representation of all shapes and sizes, I don't know if I really want the industry to become completely inclusive of bigger sizes, because I feel like that's taking away something which I don't know it just means sort of anyone can do it now and that I don't know I think it's it's strange because you have two ends of the scale like everything there's there's two extremes you have too much and too little Mm. and if you were to put someone legitimately anorexic on the cover of a magazine it would be a health outrage Mm -hmm. not just absolutely disgusting and immoral to promote that idea if if it's in the context of look at this person aren't they wonderful but if you go the other way with it promoting someone on the basis that they are morbidly obese being inclusive that's not good promotion either and if you're if you're this is the thing if your argument is that what you put on the front of magazines affects women's health which it doesn't It absolutely doesn't. That's complete nonsense. The idea that that smaller amount of media can control that much of a person's mind is ridiculous. But if your argument is that what you put on the front of a magazine is affecting a woman, especially because it's never brought up for men, is affecting a woman's mental and physical health because you're forcing them to be thin and you're forcing them to think that anorexia is good and all of this other stuff that I really think is completely... um, wrong to be completely honest then putting someone that is morbidly obese on the cover of a magazine does exactly the same thing which is happening and i think i don't want anyone who's say larger to ever encounter people being nasty to them or insults or whatever what have you but i i just feel like we're making life too easy and we're sort of putting cotton wool around everyone is it really awful to have something to aspire to be because it isn't healthy to be that big. It is healthier to be in shape, isn't it? Like it's proven. It's like everything. It's better to be in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I and- just feel like we're promoting, uh, there's a lot of very popular Instagram uh, Instagram accounts at the moment of unhealthily large people sort of promoting that size. And although they shouldn't experience nastiness, I just think that in life, I don't know. It is supposed to be difficult. And if we sort of make everything like that acceptable, then I feel like we're going backwards in society instead of striving for better. Do you know, the funny thing with the way things are currently set out is that there's two sides that I really dislike about what's happening. The first, and this is due to the fact that I've watched my wife work extremely hard her whole life through a lot of adversity, take a lot of stuff on her shoulders, be an amazing human being, only for people to claim that it's 
feminism that did it for exactly, her. Exactly, yeah. When it's, actu- it's actually a, her own a human being determination. working hard and achieving, yeah. which is what everyone should think about. They should just think, her I want this goal. Is irrelevant. I want, yeah, I, I want to achieve this goal. I'm going to work hard. I end up there, which I think more than ever is now the case that that's how you should think. And more than ever is the case that people don't think that way. But the, the second side of it, which is, um, really bizarre to me is this idea of being entitled to Mm self-esteem so i i'm a big fat guy i've put on a fair bit of weight over the last couple of years through having to use steroids for a couple of illnesses and not doing enough work to shift it and i don't feel like i'm entitled to the same level of self-esteem about the way i look as what you get you work harder on the way you look so I'm not entitled to that same level of self-esteem. And stamping my feet and saying, but I want it, I want it, I want it, doesn't change the narrative, which is the fact that you work hard for the way you look. Maybe self-esteem isn't the, the right word, because self-esteem really should just be your inner confidence of who you are. And you're yeah, a very confident person. Yes, I know what you're saying. But the problem is, maybe you don't, but the way it's framed for women, unfortunately, it's based, a lot upon that. It's yeah. based on your looks. And it's not... This is one of these arguments. I remember I've had I've had a few of these over the years where I've, I've had conversations with people and I've tried to talk to people that have a real polar opposite opinion to me and really let them hit me with as many points as possible mm. so I can really absorb what it is that they're, they're thinking, what they're going through. And you can sort of try and see it from another perspective. But here's the thing that keeps coming back is that you have, you have media like magazines, fashion magazines, fashion being a very particular industry. How many plumbers are there in the meetings, male plumbers, are there in the meetings for who should be on the magazine cover? Zero. How many, probably let's be honest, women, (laughs) older women generally, because you don't start running a magazine at 20 years old, so older women, so sort of 40 plus women, and maybe from who is visible, homosexual men are on... So that's oh, who's uh, running the show, basically. Well, it's not. that the, the weird part of this is the hatred towards average men. Like the guy that works as a plumber or the guy that is a bin man or whatever, we've apparently created this, this sort of unobtainable idea of what a woman should look like. Men, honestly, I don't think this is either... This is known and completely ignored or completely unknown, which would be even worse. We don't sit around talking about this stuff all that often. Mm-hmm. You get weird guys. There are a lot of weird guys. Not They're not a majority by any stretch, but that will talk to another guy who they might not even know that well <laughs> about women. And it's, for me, horrendously uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I probably have that encounter once a year at most. <laughs> and I work around photographers. Mm-hmm. So I should be having that conversation a lot, really, if, if the stereotype about photographers is there. Just the problem is, is that even if it's, even if it is, a couple of normal plumbers that apparently are in the meetings for Vogue about who gets on the cover, why do they speak for all men? Yeah. Well, the film The Devil Wears Prada comes to mind when you have, it is a woman in her 50s running one Which of the biggest magazines. Which is based on the, the lady that runs Vogue, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that it's true. So yeah, a woman in her 50s, white, and then usually a room of about, I don't know, 20 other women who are in their thirties and then a couple of gay guys. That does tend to be the that stereotype. That tends to be the stereotype, what, right? Yeah. And stereotypes, unfortunately, tend to exist because... Because they're true! <laughs> quite often they do tend to have a very broad 
truth, unfortunately. <laughs> like some of them are horrible, some of them aren't necessarily correct, but there are broad... Well, as long as you take them with a pinch of salt, then <clears throat> if it's we're not just gonna, gonna work harm. in if we work in broad truths, then you know, I drink a lot of tea and I'm English. So I guess as a broad truth, that is a true stereotype about me. I can't really get offended about the fact that that's a true stereotype. Um I'm a female who works in the fashion industry and I like makeup. I'm not going to kill anyone if they say that about me. There you go. So <laughs> Doesn't mean you're two-dimensional. They just do tend to sometimes no, have a ring of truth, don't they? There are, there are Humans are painfully predictable. I can't remember what the exact number is, but we're about 83% genetically the same as a banana. So it's not like we're that <laughs> amazingly individual. Um, all right. So moving away from pissing off about 90% of the population <laughs> under the age of 28. Oh, no. <laughs> so you also did Celebrity Juice. Is this right? Oh, that was a while ago, that one. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know about that. I, don't, I, I kind of know what the show is. Yeah. What did you have to do for it? Uh, so I and another model you've worked with were in bikinis and we were sort of wheeled on. Wheeled onto, on. Wheeled onto the stage on a bed with wheels with Gino De Campa, the Italian chef. Right. In bikinis with the Italian flag on. We had to dance whilst, is dwarf the correct term for... People who are dwarfs. Th- <laughs> <laughs> well, you've said it. I've now, offended so. enough people, yeah, so this... I don't want to offend anymore. Well, anyway, there was four dwarfs A on stage, gentlemen. running around with dildos in their hands. Um, this has just... taken a really bizarre turn. I did not know what this was. But I turned up for the job with no briefing, and I just mentioned to one of the cameramen who was saying, "Get dwarf number three to hold the pink dildo, not the black one." Um, I just said to him backstage. Did you get? Did you do a media degree to to be in this position? He was like, "Yes." <laughs> so, wow. If there's any lesson, it's going to dentistry or I don't know don't something work at other ITV. than media. <laughs> it's ITV. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at least they're a little a bit more right wing. No, I'm joking. No, they're not. <laughs> I went to the. I went to see a couple of films this week. So we've just started a, a separate podcast, which is about horror films. Okay. So we went to see Ma. Which is like Is a, this what you put on your Instagram story? No, I watched Godzilla. Oh right, yesterday. and you weren't impressed. Oh my god. What a terrible film. But anyway, <laughs> before both of them, there's a trailer for ITV. And it's about how ITV is basically putting people in places that have never been able to be there before. And they're sort of changing the world because, you know, they're they're being politically correct and they're bringing everyone forward together. Well, they certainly have put Piers Morgan in a place he shouldn't be, which is in any way in front of a microphone <laughs> well, or a TV camera. I was just thinking that they're, they're really doing a lot for what you refer to as dwarves swinging dildos then if they're... <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's the old joke about, I think it was on Saturday Night Live, um, so you had Lady Gaga wearing the meat suit mm-hmm. and she wore the raw meat. Mm-hmm. And then like two days later, she gave a big speech about something that was going on politically. I believe it was to do with Don't Ask, Don't Tell, about gays in the military mm-hmm. in America. And the joke on on Saturday Night Live was, you can't really be the woman in the meat suit on Saturday, but try and be the voice of reason on Tuesday. <laughs> it's like those memes when they're like, when you've got gym at nine and a festival at 10 yeah, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's becoming a terrible world and we should all leave it immediately. Um, Abort. So as far as, so freelancing then, are you, are you not doing as much freelancing at all or are you doing none at all or what's going on with... I wouldn't say that's the right term of phrase because I'm not managed by anyone 
apart from non-exclusively. So it would still count as freelance work. I just would say it's maybe considered more professional freelance work. So the TV so stuff, did they approach you like through Instagram? They did, yes. Oh, okay. So unfortunately, Instagram is just a really good platform for me to get work. So I do try and keep it up to date and, you know, keep the hype because it does encourage more work. Right, so you might be able to help me here because um, there's, a, there's a term I don't understand and... Um, I need help with understanding how this even exists. Mm -hmm. So there are people now who are people who are influencers. I would class myself as an influencer. What the hell is an influencer? An influencer is someone who gets paid to post a photo with a product with a large following who are then likely to also buy that product because they either like that person or trust that person or want to be that person or just gen uh, generally agree with their philosophy on life. Right. <laughs> so, but there's, there's tears, right? Because you get, I, I don't want to be mean mm -hmm. at all. But you've got the tea tox people who probably post for free. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but you've got people at the top, right? The people that, that, you know, Top, top, we're we talking the, the Emily Ratajkowski, yeah, yeah. Kardashian level, where yeah, they're probably getting... Yeah, so you've got getting... those people where they're getting paid, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, whatever. I don't, yeah. I don't know how it works, but mm -hmm. for posting on Instagram about a product. And then you come down to the next level, which is like the sort of smaller celebrities, but they're still celebrities and they have a huge following because mm -hmm. of exposure. But it works its way all the way down to... There are people that have less following than me <laughs> and I don't have any following not to be mean to the people that do follow me, but in comparative numbers, I don't have a huge following at all. Yeah. I have a tiny following. And they still post like, oh, I'm just out. One of my favourites is when people post like, oh, I'm wearing, um, I don't know, Topshop or whatever. I think sometimes you know that they haven't been paid to post. Yeah, I think it's almost like an image thing and I really don't know why anyone would think it's a cool thing to do but well, it's I think become, some it's people like look one of the most common be... things that kids say they want to do when they grow up at schools now. That's worrying. Yeah, that's to me that's scary. There's not much um <sighs> I don't want to be mean because I'm sat in the room with one but I know, it's, do you know it's what? not it's much ambition because I think uh, you should want to, I really enjoy my job and I love it and I love being creative. And when you put your sort of heart and soul into creating good images and you love lighting and you love creating a storyline and you're working with other creative people, like there are real good sides to it. But at the end of the day, for that to be one of the biggest things people are looking up to, I don't know, I wish I was in the minority for wanting to do that because- right. I don't know, we should all be wanting to be vets and politicians, well, maybe not politicians, but I don't know, people I'd wanting like to, to change the world. With, someone with a bit of charisma become a politician, that would be nice. Well, um, I'm actually running next year. Uh, you've got so. no hope after, the, after this, you've got no hope. <laughs> yeah, you've I think my popularity's the, gone down. You lost the dwarf I can see though. my followers going down as we speak, actually. I think I must have had a lot of dwarves following me. Yeah. <laughs> or small people. <laughs> yeah, you've got to use the right vernacular here. So, all right. Actually, if people were, you've actually led me on to a nice point. If people want to learn how to make a career out of influencing, then they should come to our workshop, which we have coming up, Chris. We're not doing a plug. <laughs> we are not doing a plug. Plug, plug, plug. We are not doing a plug. Um, all right. So in terms of your culpability, I guess, or your... I don't know if I want to say liability, but if you're if you're promoting a product yourself, mm. is it something you've used or is it sometimes you are kind of 
given a product and they go, right, promote this, here's some money. And you just go, right, boom, and it's on. So I can honestly say yeah. in the last two years, I have not once promoted something that I don't believe in. Okay. But if I'm honest, before that, when I was still growing my popularity and the brands that were contacting me, I did promote stuff that wasn't really going to, I don't know, some of the teeth whitening stuff didn't really work and I did still push it. But in the last two years I haven't. And I don't know, I'm proud of myself because I do turn away money now just to be true to myself. And I, right. I think that's quite a big statement. And a lot of people do things on the daily for money, which isn't being true to themselves. So. Yeah. Well, I think most people, if you actually, the problem with a public image job is that you have a lot more of your personality brought out into it, which means a lot more people feel like they own you as a person mm -hmm. because they are buying into the personality. Whereas in a normal job, you can kind of turn up, clock in, clock out and go home and not put any of yourself into the job, yeah. which is how a lot of people do work, mm -hmm. which is sad, but that's that's the case. But have you ever had sort of like any problems where you've promoted something and someone's come back and either not like that you've promoted it or another brand has said you shouldn't have promoted this brand? Like, is there any, any issues like that? Yeah. So quite often there'll be people who will say it's conflict of interest, but they didn't mention exclusivity beforehand. So constantly I run into sticky situations, which I have to navigate around. But I think the most important one really is just my own moral compass because I do look at my insights and there are a lot of girls aged sort of 15 to 30. So women as well following me. And I think I don't want to be responsible for one, making them feel like they need any sort of body changing product, you know, like weight loss or a certain outfit to look better. I don't want to be that person. But then there's the other side where at the end of the day, you're all in this world together trying to just make it in your chosen industry yeah. and how much can I put my energy into sort of making sure I don't hurt anyone else when I'm still trying to make something of myself is sort of something that I struggle with on the well, daily. There's, there's a, an amazing study and I, I'd, I'd have to dig up the name. I might even put a link to it in the description of this when mm -hmm. I put this up, which is about when mobile phones became democratised, which meant that they were more freely available so people could afford to give them to their kids. And social media opened up, like Facebook opened up for, because you're so young, you won't remember this, but it used to only be like schools and businesses, I think. Mm -hmm. And it no, opened up for, okay, so it opened up for everybody that the self harm rates for young girls went through the roof, mm -hmm. like 300 odd percent it went up. For guys, it didn't affect them at all. And what, what the study showed, or believed to show was that the way boys bully and the way girls bully is very different. Mm hmm. And that essentially a boy doesn't bully online in the most part. Mm -hmm. What they actually do, or they're not affected in the same way by bullying online. What they'll actually do is sort of inter interactive bullying face-to-face -face in the real world. Whereas girls, it can be a case where you can attack someone like, I'm not saying you, but, you know, a young girl can attack another young girl online and it can have much more of a significant effect on that young girl. And firstly, that's very sad that that's, a trend that appears. I think human beings never cease to amaze me in the ways they find to be horrible to each other. But what is amazing is when you talk, when we talk, I don't think it occurs very often to either of us that you can talk about 
okay, so I'm going to put a picture of myself wearing this outfit that I'm promoting up. But you have to have a moral guidance on how you put that up, right? Mm -hmm. You have to think about what effect that's going to have on the demographic of people that follow you. If I was to post a picture of me, I'm not a model, but you know where I'm going. Like if I was to post a picture of a model wearing something, I don't have to care. Mm -hmm. If it's a male model or if it's me wearing it, I don't have to care because men just are not affected. If we don't look good in something, we just don't wear it for the most part. Yeah. Um, and it's weird that that it's almost as if the the idea of like a patriarchy over women yeah is almost made it's our up. own psyche that's doing it and we blame well, it I on don't the know men. if it is I, I don't know if it is I don't know if it's that it's almost as if you're being treated by progressive ideas as if you need a guidance you need someone there to protect you from yourselves yeah which i think is weird patronizing almost it is patronizing because surely as a as a woman you can make choices and you can have opinions without needing someone to hold your hand through it Mm -hmm. my wife manages just fine with no problems i know plenty of women that manage just fine with no problems but it's the idea that you would need as a sorry, do you say twenty seven you're twenty as a twenty seven year old woman before you post uh an outfit that you're gonna wear you have to think how does this affect my followers yeah yeah you wouldn't it's almost like i didn't ask for that responsibility and then do you take it on board that you are someone who's now someone that all these people are looking up to or do you think well they've got their own brains they can figure out themselves yeah i don't know it's a hard one and if you go down either route you're you're wrong yeah because if you go down the route of patronizing them or i'm ruining their yeah you're right you're right Exactly. You're, you're, you're giving them way too much rope and they're hanging themselves. So you're not giving them enough rope and they've got no slack. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's a really bizarre situation. It's, it's one of the things that's really held me back as a photographer for years mm. is just watching the model photography community and with Instagram modeling being a sort of its own separate tumor to all of this. Mm. I don't understand the psychology of like 90% of what's going on. I can't, I can't read the tide at all with what's going on because it's just almost separate to human behavior. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a funny incident actually in February this year. So someone got all my images that had been face tuned. So there were a few where I'd smoothed the skin and I think there were about three images where I'd pulled my waist in slightly, which I don't do anymore. But I was just sort of following a general trend, almost like your Instagram portfolio is like a Vogue magazine where you want it to look perfect. I wasn't really saying, oh, this is a true representation of me. This is just a pretty collage artifact of how I want it to look, almost like artwork. Yeah. Um, And they shared all these images saying really nasty stuff about me, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't a very nice thing to do, but it made me think, okay, fair enough. Actually, that isn't very healthy for one, me to think I need to do that. And two, for the people who are viewing this, because then it is giving them unrealistic expectations. So I put out a big post, how I wouldn't do that anymore, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I feel like there's this thing now where we're constantly being told to challenge our mindset. And it is like this left-wing political view where you can't ever be comfortable with your beliefs and you have to constantly be thinking, is my, am I going to offend someone if I do this, if I do that? And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And you should always be aware and evolving and wanting to, I don't know, not hurt anyone's feelings. But yeah, I do think we've gone way too far with it. Well, being offended isn't an argument. True. Being made to feel uncomfortable because... Okay, so it's really straightforward. If you believe that 
you shouldn't be wearing shoes, right? We're in we're in my office right now, and you believe you shouldn't be wearing shoes. And I'm someone who, for some reason, has a belief that you should be wearing shoes. Oh my god! No, Can no, we just fine. explain to the audience that I've got no shoes on? Well, I'm just literally <laughs> reaching for an idea here, so I don't. I'm, I'm trying to put. I'm trying to frame an example where someone won't find a way to make it about themselves. Okay. But let's say that that's... And I did. I made it straight about myself. That no, says a fine. lot it's, about me. It's fine. So let's say I have a really strong held belief and you come into my house. That's one thing, mm-hmm. right? But it's another thing entirely to say that you have to change the way that you exist to make sure that I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Because then you're hierarch- Then you're creating a hierarchy. And I thought the mm-hmm. whole point of politics these days was that we shouldn't have hierarchies and people shouldn't get ahead in life. Mm-hmm. So it's really weird dynamic. The problem is, is that the... Um, there's a song that's um, pretty much summed up every argument you could possibly make about almost anything political these days, which is just that everything is just a snake that's eating its own tail. <laughs> it's just waiting for the moment that it reaches the back of its own head, basically. Mm. Because you 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 sort of you fudge an idea into place and it's not going to hold up. And then the more you try and fudge ideas into place, the more you're knocking over ones that you've put in place before. Yeah. It all contradicts itself. There's hypocrisy everywhere. I think it's a good thing to be nice to everyone and be as inclusive as possible and constantly challenge your views on current affairs, etc. But at the same time, I don't think we should go down this route where we're protecting everyone to an extent that no one strives to be the top of their field or more intelligent or the fittest. Or at the end of the day, we are animal sort of beings. And... I don't know, it's almost like, yeah, survival of the fittest. I don't see why all these things of excelling in life are sort of, I don't know, if you're ambitious and confident and know who you are and you're happy, it's almost like you're... A bad person. Yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like the balance of that is slightly off. Yeah, I think, I think one of the, one of the main problems is that everyone's so focused on each other and spending so much time making sure you're basically stopping other people from getting out the water so that you're not the only one that drowns. Mm. And it would just be nice to see people. I I admire, like when I see magazine covers or if I see on TV shows or in movies, if I see someone, a guy that's in really good shape, I admire that. I think that's, that's a real admirable quality for a Mm. person to have. It shows a lot of discipline. It shows a lot of um, self-esteem, maybe not, Maybe not correctly. Maybe people that work out a lot might have self-esteem issues. But to me, it shows that they have a lot of confidence in themselves and they have a lot of dedication, a lot of self-love. And I don't think, how dare they, I don't look like that, that I need someone to step in and make, yeah. make me not feel bad about this. I need to go and do some bloody sit-ups if I want to look like that. Yeah. Um, I just think it's very sad that we're very... Uh, we've got too much par- uh, peripheral vision and not enough internal vision at the yeah, moment. Yeah, if I saw a math- mathematician on telly... <laughs> And he was answering all these questions and showing off his talent. I wouldn't think, oh my God, how dare he show off like that. Sometimes I don't even know if I've got the correct change because I struggle with numbers so badly. And yet I'm not sort of holding all this weight about it. I just get on with life and I take a fucking calculator out of it. The other thing is as well, you're a model, so you're not used to paying for your own drinks. (laughs) That's why you're not used to the change. All right, so... You're still freelancing, but it's not freelancing as we know it. Have we really just talked all about that from freelancing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Amazingly, I can just about remember the beginning of that tangent. Wow. <laughs> so you, you are still freelancing, but not in the same way that you were, say, four years ago. Yeah, that's true. Are you glad to be moving away from the, Absolutely. the traditional freelancing idea, which is you would be booked by a photographer for essentially like 
hobbyist type activities. I mean, that used to be something I was having to do three or two times a week. Now I'd say it's about once every two months that I'm doing that. Right. Um, Just because someone will be keen and they've booked studio time, so I'll do it. But something I like is to be in a very professional atmosphere. And although there are a lot of hobbyist photographers who are professional, there's also a lot who aren't so much. Mm. And I actually prefer being in quite a sort of professional atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how else to put it really. No, no, it's, it's, yeah, I actually think in the last podcast I said that professional photographers tend to be more professional, which was <laughs> one of the most basic things I could possibly say. But no, yeah, I, I, I think that that side of things is getting worse though. I, I think that maybe four or five years ago there was a lot of well-meaning, talented photographers that just didn't do it for a job. Yeah. And would book models on that basis. Mm-hmm. And I think more and more it's being seen as an in for social reasons. Yeah. As opposed to self-improvement and the hobby of photography yeah. or whatever. And I mean, is it a danger? Is it a dangerous job? Absolutely. Right. I actually, looking back now on an 18-year-old self, um, so being 27, I actually can't believe the situations I put myself in where something could have gone wrong. I think I'm lucky that it never did. And I think I'm lucky that I sort of had parents who brought me up to be extremely assertive, if anything, quite feisty. And I look at young girls now being in rooms with people they've never met, not reading any reviews, but they've got a camera and they're going to pay them some money. I don't know. It can be damaging in many ways, whether or not that photographer then takes photos of them in levels they don't want to do, but because they're young and they think that's how you make a career out of modelling, they've done it. But also, I don't know, it opens you up to sort of rape and all sorts of things because you're in a space where it can happen. Yeah. I, I, one of the things that I've taken a lot of stock of lately is how little information you have to give out and how much information you should be asking for. Mm. Really, it's not a nice way to think about it, but you need to be breadcrumbing your way to a job. If it's a dangerous, not necessarily a dangerous job, but there is the potential. Mm. People need to know where you are mm-hmm. and what time you're expected to be back and so on. Of course. The, the, we're going to keep going on tangents here. I can just feel it. <laughs> Good luck editing this podcast. I'm not even going to edit it. It's just going to go out as it is. But the, uh, the idea of equality mm-hmm. between men and women, we are equal in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. We should be treated equally. There shouldn't be anyone being treated worse for being one or the other. But there are inequalities that exist mm-hmm. in generalities. The main one being physically. There are physical differences and... Men are stronger and they could harm women. On the whole. As, there are yeah, women that are stronger role, than men. But I think it's Joe Rogan says that the strongest woman in the world couldn't do anything to the strongest man in the world or whatever. However you want to frame it. But the, generally speaking, if you take it in generalities, you're more likely as a woman to encounter someone that's stronger than you if it's you versus a man. Yeah. Don't get offended anyone by that, otherwise. I, I know I'm probably going to get like a bit of a. <laughs> Women are also off, better at nurturing sometimes. No men get offended at that. So, yeah, just to put out there, yeah, that there's general ideas which are it, better at. But it, the, the dynamic isn't that you're going to outmuscle, especially a young model, <laughs> that you're going to outmuscle a potentially very bad 40 year old man. Mm. I mean, it's possible. I've seen some incredibly unfit photographers in my time, but. <laughs> It's the, the dynamic is very dangerous towards the model. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that people 
are almost ashamed of the job or ashamed because it's not the Instagram thing that they put out about themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't tell people where they are. Mm -hmm. Um, I was having this discussion earlier this year um, on a shoot and the, the model brought up in passing that her mum's just said that she's um, in Basingstoke, which is obviously where we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereabouts is she? They can meet up for a coffee afterwards. And she said, I said, so did your mum not, did she come to Basingstoke by chance? Said, oh yeah, she lives up the road. So your mum doesn't even know you're here. Like, I'm not saying that she, you know, she needs to tell her mum. She's just like 22 years old. But if nobody knows where you are, yeah, it's going to be so much harder for mm. anything good to come of a bad situation. I mean, I, I was on shoots before where it would be at a photographer's house. This is in the early days when I was still sort of marking out my career. And they'd lock the front door behind me as I came in. And I just think why were they doing that? And mm. why did I not challenge it? But you don't challenge it because it's scary because you don't want to piss well, you, them off because you've you, not met them before. Of course time, they're bigger than me. But at that time, weren't you living near Portsmouth? Yes. So it's basically just so worried you're going to nick their TV. <laughs> but do you know what? The person who did that has been kicked off a lot of model sites now and it's actually been sort of outed that they have been inappropriate. So it's very fucking dangerous. Yeah, that's... That's a scary thing. I think about it in terms of if I had a daughter and she was doing anything like this for a job, firstly, I'd stop her. But (laughs) if she really wanted to do it, I'd be like, you know, I am aware that it makes me an uncool dad or it makes me an uncool person. But please, like, just leave a trail and make sure, you know, you're safe and you're actually vetting every situation properly. Mm. Um, There's a lot of people out there now, especially with Instagram, that want to be models. And there's not that much work. No. So it's there's saturated. going to like be anything situations. which is considered a fun, creative, I don't know, you know, cool job. There's hundreds of people who are doing it. When I say hundreds, there's millions. So yeah, it's unless you've really, really, really got what it takes, it's no it's not worth even sort of thinking about it. So if you were to go back almost pretty much a decade now, because you're that old. <laughs> uh, you said you started at 18? Yeah. Okay. So if you were to go back now though, would you would you still would you end up where you are now? Do you think? Yeah, I think hindsight's obviously a wonderful thing. So I wouldn't say I'd do anything differently because I've learned a lot of valuable lessons and it's I've been lucky that ha- nothing has gone wrong, I suppose. Um, but I don't know, yeah, if I had a daughter who wanted to go down the same route, I'd have a lot of uh, different ways to go about it. Mm. Um, I don't know, shortcuts. But yeah, I'm really happy with where I am. If anything, when you look back, you sort of realise how far you've come. And uh, to be doing sort of frequent presenting jobs and talking in front of large rooms and for that to have come from the modelling, I think it's really exciting for me. And that's the next stage, right? You want, you're looking at presenting? Yeah, so I'm doing a little bit of weather presenting. I've been on quite a few radio interviews recently, but not it's not something I'm doing where I'm the interviewer, which is kind of the next stage. But I remember in uni or when I was a journalist and we had to talk in front of a room of even 10 people about what work we were doing that week. My palms would be sweating. I'd stutter. Knees weak, arms are heavy. <laughs> yeah, let's not sing Eminem. And that, like on last Thursday at a makeup uh, palette launch, I spoke in front of about a thousand people on stage and I was completely fine. If anything, I was absolutely in my element. So yeah, I'm quite proud of her. I found, I mean, I used to be really introverted, really, really badly. I mean, I'm I'm someone who does prefer to kind of be around less people where I can. Um, But with the job that I do where I'm around so many people and I have to organise a lot of people um, and I start off in the position of being the enemy 
as a wedding photographer, you're like the buffer between them and booze. So you have yeah. to, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're already not liked to begin with. Um, I actually found that if I focused more on the message I was trying to give than the people I was trying to give it to, mm-hmm. I was better at it. Mm-hmm. And with workshops and stuff, the more I focused on understanding what I was talking about more rather than thinking, what are they thinking about me or what, you know, how am I coming across or how do I sound or anything like that? the more comfortable I became in my own skin with doing it. I think that was a big thing is just um, understanding more where you wanted to come from and and understanding your own nonsense and your own information. And then, I mean, I used to hate workshops where I'd get tripped up on a question that would come out of nowhere because you've ended up a a certain piece of information. Like uh, the majority of the way I learned photography was just sort of self trial and error. Mm -hmm. And then you get asked a question that's about a route that I never went down because yeah. I went through this really specific weavy route to get to the point where I learned something and sort of spent a year pilgrimage, like on a pilgrimage to learn how to do stuff that I already knew how to do, but the way that's more traditionally done, just so that I could <laughs> so answer, answer questions. questions. <laughs> because I found that I would have no problem speaking publicly, but when I was asked a question that I didn't understand necessarily the, the right way to go about answering, that's where I would just completely dissipate as a person. Mm. Um, the one thing I would ask if you do go into presenting or if you go into TV in any way, and this is on behalf of all of your Instagram followers, is if you could just not run... Because all of the videos of you running, you cannot run. You have a terrible run. Well. It's a bad run. Is it? It's a really, you do this thing where you like run and you turn, look at the camera and you turn and you run and you turn, look at the camera and you run. And it's like, it's not a good run. (laughs) It looks like a horror run. But I'm not, I'm not in the Olympics. It's not supposed to be a good run. No, I'm not saying it's not fast. I'm saying it's not good. I'm just being me though, Chris. Yeah, I know, but maybe just a little bit less. (laughs) Be a little bit less you. I just spat across the room. You did. I'll definitely be less me. Cheers for that. I'll I'll look forward to cleaning that off the wall. Um, and, And as far as like... These these TV things that you're doing, like the celebs go dating. Is it celebs or celebrities go dating? You can say either. Thank I you. Won't. I'll say celebs. It's quicker. I won't be pedantic like you I'll are like, about my run. I'm not being pedantic. Your run's terrible. It's generally <laughs> terrible. I'm not picking on one aspect. It's generally terrible. <laughs> you're not the first person to say that, which is why I'm mildly offended. But well, that's fine. I'm I'm here to help. Um, <laughs> but as far as these these TV I, these TV things that you're running through, um, is there a goal in that? Is there is there an idea to get more into like reality TV? Would you want Absolutely to do something? Absolutely not. No? Um, no. I think I'm better than reality TV and I like being controversial. So, ha, have it. Um, no, I think well, I'm better than TV's that. Reality TV is great for being controversial. <laughs> yeah, but. In a really bad way. Without sort of, you know, I don't know, it's the level of education I worry about. Um, wow. <laughs> No, I wouldn't want to go into anything too formal. I don't think news reading would be my jam. I'd like something where I could still have my personality shine through, be a little bit creative, witty, and a little bit playful because that suits my personality. Mm. But also something which, I don't know, I don't know, something in the middle of a Louis Ferrou documentary and Stacey Dooley who irritates me because I feel like it's so patronising the way she's like, isn't it awful that these people have no food? Yes, Stacey, it is. But so somewhere in the middle where I'm writing my own content, content, 
but can also, I don't know, have a bit of fun with it. So, so why aren't you, why aren't you YouTubing? So that is the next stage. I literally get asked that question by about five of my followers every single day. I have got a YouTube channel. I just need to buy a camera and do it. So if you have a recommendation on the best camera to video yourself talking... Then yeah, if you just use we'll CCTV outside the shop, you haven't got to pay any money. <laughs> Obviously, the audio is not as good. And it's hard to get the footage. But... I might walk out of here with one of your mics. They look pretty fucking beasty. There's, I think a, there's another be two there. Okay, how much yeah. do you want for them? Let's not go into that. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. yeah, that's the next thing. I'm going to start YouTube. I think it's really exciting that you used to have to have somebody say, oh, you'd be good for TV. Let's put you here. I think now that you can just do it yourself, if you've got... I have a very interesting life, hopefully... Um, a lot of different shoots and travels. So yeah, um, it would be nice to take people with me on that journey. So that's the next thing. Yeah. And you can curate your self-image a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you were saying you're about when, when you're on TV, the editor can Absolutely. change what you look like entirely. Gotcha. I mean, it is funny what they can do. Yeah. They made Pete Wicks look my height. So that was an achievement. Wow. This guy's getting buried. <laughs> Sounds like the elephant man. He's a dwarf. <laughs> I don't know what he looks like, but I'm God, imagining. We're hating on dwarfs on this he's session. Got a, well, you are. It's your word, not mine. Um, All right, disclaimer over there. It's not like you to get all worried. <laughs> no, I'm not bothered. I just That's one community I really care about. Um, so when it comes to doing YouTube, then what would you be doing? Would you be doing like vlogging? Yeah, so I would vlog shoots, travel. I'm actually going to Jerusalem soon. I'm going to Ibiza soon. There's a lot of catwalk fashion festivals. Um, I'm going to be at a vaping exhibition uh, in what Tel Aviv. Is that? Uh, what is a vaping exhibition? Do you know what? Let's just bypass it. I don't want to know. Well, tune in and you'll see. I've, I've just been put off of visiting your YouTube channel. <laughs> what a great... What are you going to, to Jerusalem for? So that's the vaping exhibition. Wow, so you nice. ruined that. <laughs> Christ. Do you vape? Yes. Christ. Do you know, I'm going off you. No, I'm not a keen vaper. Well, you, do, you do it reluctantly. I'm a bit impartial to a, you know, double capsule menthol after a gin and tonic on a Friday. So it is more healthy to vape instead. That's comfortably the worst thing you've ever said. <laughs> so so just vlogging then. But the vlogging's different to presenting, right? Because you kind of, you're a caricature more than you are yourself, generally. You mean you're an exaggerated version of yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't think I need to put any more exaggeration into me. I'm a bit of a sort of dorky, loud exhibitionist anyway. So I think my natural self is sort of... And are you prepared for the the hatred? Oh, I've experienced so much of that. YouTube hatred is something else. Do you know what? This is not challenging people to upset me, but I really do think where I've, I've got to a point where a nasty comment will literally upset me for about 30 seconds before I'm completely over it. Mm. If anything, I do, I know it's such a cliche, but I actually do feel so much stronger for it. And it happens on every day, at least probably one comment. And um, sorry about that. That's me. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of fake accounts there. They're never a real person. No. So if anything, you are doing something right. If you've got some people trying to knock you down because they're jealous of where you are. So it really is a good thing. And you don't seem to want to do the thing that, I think it's becoming more of a rare breed, but a lot of models when they get to 26, 27, 28 mm. and the, um, you know, the, the door starts to close a little bit, <laughs> they pick up a camera. Yeah. Do you know what? It's just not, not something that I am at all interested in. Right. So no, I won't be doing that route, which a lot of models do at my age. You're right. No. no so what is, so you have a YouTube channel now. And you're just, I do. It's just, just my name. For Poppy Haskell. Poppy Haskell. 
Yeah. I'll get so, over and subscribe right now because I can't wait for that vaping exhibition. <laughs> it's actually quite interesting because we were last in Bahrain and... Um, imagine the things you could do imagine in Bahrain and you're there vaping. A not very westernised country having Watching eight, a bunch of westerners vape. <laughs> eight promotional models scantily clad. I mean, it's it's an interesting Well, they have Formula concept. One in Bahrain, so they're used to seeing that. Yeah, well, no more grid girls are there, so... No, well, that was the thing we talked about last time because that was just getting that was getting canned, right? Is it still not... F1 don't do grid girls unless you're in Monaco, which they've just completely ignored the world and said, yes, we still are, which I think is quite funny. Well, Monaco gets out of bed at two o'clock in the afternoon, drives around in a Lamborghini, they don't care. <laughs> they do what like they want. heaven to me. Yeah, they do whatever they want. Um, they don't have taxes, so they don't care. I'm still making quite a lot of uh, good money out of grid girling, just not for the F1. So. so what are you grid girling then? So British touring cars, it's like the most popular popular racing series is that like rally UK. type stuff or is it it's uh like four-wheel drive bmw that kind of thing i see on the track not on yeah right, no, okay. race tracks so they're still going i'm painfully unqualified to talk about race cars but that's good it's good well i'm thinking that might be an in as well talking about sort of cars and stuff yeah i think a lot of people go that way mm. um well i said to you i think we had a conversation about a year two years ago about sports presenting mm. about that seems to be a good route in for people mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. So we'll look forward to the, the vape exhibition. <laughs> so go over to uh, Poppy's right, YouTube fuck channel. Off, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, so where can people find you on Instagram? At Poppy Haskell. And have you got a Twitter? I think there's a few fake ones of me if you fancy a laugh. No, I'm just Instagram and YouTube, and Instagram, they're both Poppy Haskell. Lovely stuff. And thank you so much for coming and doing this. It's been a treat. Thank you for having me. Happy vaping. I haven't ruined my life.